We are blessed, aren't we? <laughs> I was thinking of a song a few moments ago. And those, I think I, um, the Sunday that I didn't preach and somebody else was preaching, song lyrics, I sit back and song lyrics pop in my mind for about every phrase that somebody says. That's the love of music and the love of singing. And I think I uh, aggravated Dixie because I, every phrase that was mentioned, I said, hey, prepare this song. Hey, prepare this song. Thinking of the ending of the service of what would take place. And, and uh, finally, I think she realized that um, I don't know if we sing, I don't know that we sang any of those songs. But um, that's just how my brain operates. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to continue in the book of Ephesians. Can you just, as you're opening, make sure you look over to somebody and say, it sure is good to see you this morning. You can go ahead and tell them that they look good, too. We know you look good because you were created by God. Amen. We're just telling the truth. Amen. As you know, we've been going through Ephesians. We spent a few weeks in Ephesians chapter 1. Could probably spend a few more weeks in Ephesians chapter 1. What some powerful scriptures that we are gleaning from. Um, I, literally, I literally wrote out three messages just for Ephesians chapter 1 through 10. And have been deliberating with God of which way to go. Because there's just so much, so much to glean from this scripture when I'm reading Ephesians chapter 2 and, and having read it over and over and over again this week, it really seems like the, the, the key scripture that brings it all together is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Can you just look to somebody and say, you are God's workmanship? Isn't that great? You know, um, I preached a few years ago a message 
talking about captivity to masterpiece. And I used this scripture, and I, I talked about how that Michelangelo, when he was in the preparation of creating uh, his masterful work called the Statue of David, that in, in the process of doing that, this piece of stone was literally bound for 50 years. Matter of fact, someone else actually started the chiseling process on this stone. And for 50 years, this stone piece stood dormant, captive. And then Michelangelo found this piece and began to work on it. It took him four to five years to finish this work, this masterful work that people stand in lines to go and see this masterpiece. And somebody asked him, what did you see when you saw this stone? And he said, I saw the imagery of someone captive inside. You know, when we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2, it's, it's almost as if Paul's talking about somebody very special. Do y'all know who Paul's talking about, this very special person? It's in the first two uh, words, and you. Now, I know that you probably don't like to talk about yourself. That laughing lets me know that some people do. Somebody would like, no, I don't talk about myself. No, I don't think about myself. But yet, if we were to put up pictures of past events in this church throughout the ages, and the first thing you would do is you would go to those pictures and you would try to find yourself. It's just what we do, right? That's how it works. But you know, you're probably wondering why we have a couple of tables out here and what's taking place is that, that Paul is trying to develop a backdrop, a canvas, for which to show the glory or the greatness of God. And, you know, when, when a jewel, how many's ever bought a ring before at the jewelry store? Some of you husbands better raise your hand. Yeah. There's a store right here in the mall called, called Smoky Mountain Coin and Jewelry. And you know, when you go into a shop, you know, I had to borrow these from Ken. That's really why he's sitting here. He's, he says he's guarding my back, but he's really just guarding his coins. <laughs> I'm glad to see you doing well. Amen. 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 I left you holding the bag. <laughs> but you know, when we display things, we could display these beautiful coins. And, and man, these are, I mean, 1756. You better keep your eye on this now because I've been told what this was. I mean, these are some rarities right here, some beautiful pieces. Uh, I told him this morning, I called him and said, hey, bring some beautiful coins with you. And, and he told me, he says, I just brought what I have because all of them are beautiful to me. But you know, when, 
if you were going to the coin store, they're not going to flip these things out here on just any old place. You know, when, when you went to buy that special ring for your spouse, you went to Jared's. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, Kay's. Me and Will went to a special place in Cleveland, Tennessee, and many of you remember Ray H. Hughes, the great preacher uh, of Church of God. His, his son ran a jewelry store there in Cleveland, and, and we, when, when you go in, you know, they don't just pull out a ring and throw it on any old thing. They bring this nice piece of velvet, it's, whether it be black or dark burgundy or blue, and they put that ring out there so it just pops because they want it to have a good backdrop to be able to display the good. Now, look, y'all saw these. I mean, you're, you're looking at them. It looks kind of, you know, not so good. Anyway, so but when you put them over here, you know, you begin to, that camera's going to see the back of my head. If y'all have a glare, I apologize. Josh Spillers, I know you're running that back there. Anyway, <laughs> got you. <laughs> what? One view, another view. Okay. <laughs> but you know, it, when you put them on this dark background, it just seemed to display better, doesn't it? It just, you're able to see the detail better. You're able, it just, the silver, is there silver here? <laughs> I might pocket a few. It just, it just pops, right? Just like a jeweler, when they bring out that ring, they put it out on that nice piece of dark velvet for you to be able to see how precious that is, to make it look so beautiful. She's got to have it. She needs it. Right? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, that is literally what the Apostle Paul is setting up. He's setting up a backdrop to be able to see how beautiful the grace of God is. And, and when you look at this back, backdrop, is there anyone darker or blacker than you, B.C.? You know what B.C. is, right? Before Christ, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I know who I was before Christ. I know my background. I know the sins that I had walked in. I know the trespasses that I had uh, experienced. And, and therefore, it was a dark backdrop. And that's what the, Paul, the Apostle Paul is trying to portray here is the backdrop of who we are so that we can understand how glorious God is. Amen. 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 I mean, so when you look at this, it says, and you. And as the um, alfalfa would say, and how. <laughs> I got one generation there. <laughs> right. See, somebody laughed. Another one. Another generation. But... 
when you recognize and you, and it says and you, and the, and the New King James and King James says this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. When I look at this scripture, and you, it, it, this, if you'll notice if you're looking at the New King James or if you're looking at the King James version, version it says he made alive or hath he quickened and it's in italics. This is one of those moments where if you're looking at the NIV and you're looking at the New American Standard Bible or you're looking at the ESV, you won't find that there because it was not in any previous form. It is a note of the translator for clarification. You will find that a little later down in verse 5. You will see that. But here it is, it is not there. So it literally says... And you who were dead or being dead in trespasses and sins. Now, you really have to go all the way back to the very beginning to understand this scripture. Because in Genesis, the Lord, or, or, or the Lord told Adam, he says, If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die, right? So it goes all the way back to that beginning. So, so if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. It's, it's, it's amazing because the enemy's still saying those same things. Will you really die? Right? If you dabble in this, if you do just a little of that, will you really die? That's how the enemy works, isn't it? But the word of God declares, it declares this. It says, the soul that sinneth will die. Right? God declared the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But the wages of sin is death. This is a death, a spiritual death. It's a separation. How many understand that, that when we sin, we are separated from God? Even Jesus, as he was on the cross of Calvary, as he was dying on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and some might would believe that, that God turned his back. I've heard preachers say that God turned his back on him. But that's not biblical. But we do understand that sin produces a separation from God. It produces a separation from our relationship, our fellowship with God. And so as Jesus hung on the cross, uh, we can see Psalms 22 where it begins with the same verse, same scripture, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it declares why he forsaken, he had been forsaken in verse three, because it says, for you are holy. Oh, oh you who inhabits the praises of your people. Sin separates us from God because God is the only holy. No wonder the word says, be ye holy for I am holy. Come on. Amen. And so, on the cross, God laid on him the iniquities. He laid on him the sins of every single one of us from ages past to ages to come. All the sin of the world, can you imagine? Laid on Jesus Christ. Could he handle it? Absolutely. But he chose to walk in 
this human flesh so that he could experience the weight of our sin so that he could stand there with his arms open wide being the perfect sacrifice for every single one of us so that we so that he could bear the wages of our sin what was those wages the wages of sin is death and so therefore he was willing to die for that sin that you and I performed that me and you the bad thoughts that we think the ill will that we have the sometimes bad attitudes that we have. He carried that and is still carrying that weight of sin. And for once and for all, it was crucified on the cross of Calvary so that me and you could have victory in Christ Jesus, no longer bearing the weight of sin, but being in Christ Jesus, we are alive in him. Come on, somebody. You love him this morning? Amen. I mean, how do we know that it separates? Well, we can read Isaiah chapter 59, it says, my ear is not too heavy that it cannot hear, or my arm too short that it cannot save, but your sins have separated you from your God. In other words, God hears. His ear is not deaf. He understands. He hears you, and he has an arm that's able to reach out and grab you, but our sins separate us from God. Our sins keep us from experiencing what he has for us. You know, there's a difference between trespasses and sin, right? You know, when I look at the word sin, sin literally means miss the mark. Miss the mark. You know, uh, there, was, there was a game played in, in England, and it was where they would take, each man would take a quiver full of of arrows, and they would put a hoop at the top of a large pole, and they would take that and shoot arrows and see how many got into the hoop. And the one who missed the mark, they called the sinner. And so therefore, that person had to go and buy each one of them a round of drinks if they missed because they were the sinner. Sound like they were making the other ones the sinner, right? <laughs> but how much more, as we are the children of God, do we miss the mark? How often do we not get it right? How often do we, you know, God has a plan, but we so often find ourselves. How many times have you said, God, I'm sorry? How many, how many times a day sometimes do we, do we walk around and say, mm, I shouldn't have done that, or man, I should have done that better, or man, I should have said something different, because we missed the mark. We all missed the mark, right? I mean, the Bible says, for all have sinned. In other words, all have missed the mark and have fallen short of the glory of God, Right? I mean, the reality is, is it's saying this not only to uh, those who are flagrant sinners, but every one of us don't get it right. I mean, if we were to go out, uh, out on a boat today and we were to take a cruise, of course, it's a little cold today, but if we were to take a cruise out there and, and the boat, we get out in the middle and the boat began to sink. Now, some of you maybe can't swim. And you are absolutely doomed. Some of you are, you know, not in the greatest shape. And we might make it a, 
couple of 20 feet <laughs> before we're sucking air and gulping a little bit of water? Some of you might think that you're a marathon swimmer and you could just, whoo, I can make it to the bank. And just before you get to the bank, it's like, wore out. In other words, all of us are incapable of reaching the goal that is established before us. All of us are in the place where we aren't able to make it because we all miss the mark. Matthew chapter 5, 48 says this. It says, be you perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you might think you're perfect, Until you talk to your wife. <laughs> Greg's, Greg's not sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> but how many of us would consider ourselves perfect? How many of us would consider ourselves being able to, to reach that mark of perfection? I would hope all of us would recognize that we are imperfect. All of us would recognize that, no, we, we, we're not perfect by any means. Uh, and, and I tell people all the time, look, I am not perfect. I will fail you. Don't, don't put your trust in me alone because he's the only one that's perfect and I'm only as good as I am as I walk in him. Come on, somebody, right? So we see that we've all missed the mark. We see that we all have uh, messed up. We all can't get it right. Trespasses are different from sins because trespasses is a deliberate and willful disobedience. In reality, is, is I'm not guilty of just sin. I'm guilty of trespasses too. Come on. I mean, I've messed up in it all. I've made some willful mistakes before. <laughs> they're not mistakes. They're deliberate. <laughs> I've done things. We all have. But then we find this scripture in verse 2. It says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You know, when I look at this scripture, it says, According, walked according to the course. I, I, looking at that word walked, it literally means to meander. Now, you see people walking in Walmart, and it's like they got their plan together, right? They're pushing a buggy. And, and they got it all together. It's like, man. But see, Wes, I'm not that way. When I go into Walmart, I normally don't have a list. My wife knows better to send me without a list because I just meander. I'll stroll that buggy down. Hey, good to see you. Man, I'm just meandering. I'm just socializing. And when I pass something I think I need, I put it in the thing, right? It, it's expensive for me to go to Walmart to do grocery shopping. Because I usually, and the problem is, is I normally go about 1 o'clock and I haven't eaten lunch, right? And everything looks good. 
So I just fill the buggy up, dude. I'm just, hey, whoa, let's do this. Let's do that. Ooh, let's go by the meat section. Right? Trouble. And that's kind of how many people are walking this journey in life. They're just meandering around without a focus. The word course also means the age or another person called it the weather vane. In other words, it's kind of like they're just following a course of whichever the way the wind blows. Doesn't the the Bible warn us to be careful of following every wind of doctrine? And so, so many people are walking in sins and trespasses according to walk the walk that they're walking, just meandering around with no direction, with every time somebody says something that sounds cool, ooh, ooh, I think I'll go over there. And so we have this ADD spirituality that every time something cool comes up or somebody says something unique, we'll say, well, I'll just follow that pastor or I'll just follow that word or I'll just follow that saying because it just sounds good. I ain't getting no amens there, I don't know. But isn't that the way it goes? We, we, send, we find ourselves following the fashions and the things of the world. We find ourselves trying to fit in in every way we can so that we can just flow with however it goes. I remember as a young kid, you know, my friends would be doing something and it probably was something uh, that was not okay. And I went, Mom, I want to go. Mom, can I go to that? Can I go to this? And my mom like, No. I said, but, but everybody's doing it. Have any of you guys said that before? But everybody's doing it. She says, but you're not everybody. She says, if they got on a bridge and jumped off, would you jump off? Probably. <laughs> I have jumped off of a few bridges before. Would you, if, 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 if it was a fire, would you jump in the fire if everybody else jumped in? How many of you have ever been told those things? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. She said, no. The reality is, is that every, that, that a dead fish can flow downstream. Right? In other words, a dead fish can flow with the rest of everything else because it all, all goes downstream. But it takes a live fish to go in the opposite direction. It takes a live fish to be able to swim upstream, to stay above the waters, to get to the place that God's called you to. You have to be willing to be alive in Christ Jesus. You can't just walk around like a zombie and dead flowing in everything the world flows in. Come on, somebody. I mean, the enemy used to be subtle, right? The enemy used to be so uh, conniving and hidden and everything that happened behind the scenes and we didn't have all this stuff. But, you know, I've got a a book in my office. It's almost putrid to read. It almost makes you sick. And it's called The Queering of America. And 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 it shows the history of a movement that has taken place over the years and how they've subsequently gained uh, ground and how they've subsequently got into the school systems. And now now we look at our kids and our kids don't have an escape, Right. right? I mean, from the educational system, from your governmental entities, from the entertainment system, right? 
from the popular media, from even the sports teams with gay pride events and Every, every kind of way around us, we find, we find there's no escape. And not only is it okay, but it's prideful. It is boastful. Sin has become, what we used to say was wrong has now become right. And what was right has now become wrong. Doesn't that sound like Romans chapter 1 to you? In other words, Everything the word of God has stated is coming to pass. And, and those who have been in the church and those who have experienced God and those who have walked in the ways of God and have turned their back on God are so deceived because they have lost the sight of the fact that what is happening has already been stated that it would happen. There will be a great falling away. How many are falling away? How many have turned their back on God? How many have turned their, their lives away from God because they don't know the truth, because they, they're so happy in this world and they do not know the hope of their calling? They don't know that this world is only passing ground. This world is passing away, but my God, his word stands forever. And if we'll stand on the word of God, we will stand forever and ever and ever in eternity with him. God, help us. Okay, it's already 12, and I'm only like on page two of eight. <laughs> I mean, we live, I mean, it's gotten so, so flagrant that we live in such a woke society that Christians are afraid to proclaim truth from being condemned. And yet, the world wants to portray God as if he's a hating God, that he hates people. He hates people. No, God doesn't hate people. I mean, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Who's the world? The world is those who sin, those who've missed the mark, those who have willfully trespassed the things of God. He said he loves them so much that he sent his only begotten son. In other words, he was willing to let him. It pleased God to see his son sacrificed on the cross so that those who were sick in sin, those who were willfully in the ways of the world could find a peace of hope, could find a love that was beyond anything else because while they were still in sin, the word of God says in Romans chapter five and eight, that he loved them. thing is, is that we're so predisposed to the fashions and fads of the world. I mean, we, it's not, it even goes to the clothing lines now. There's a non-binary line of clothing now. I'm like, what's that mean? We used to call that unisex, right? <laughs> sweatpants or sweatpants, right? <laughs> but, now, but now it's like, ooh, this is the lineage. This is the... the you want to be non-binary. You got to wear these colors. You got to wear this clothes. It's kind of like CK1. I remember the clone CK1 came out years and years ago, and it was for both sex. It was unisex. Now we call it non-binary. <laughs> and you could, you could spray it on the man and the chemistry because guess what? They're different. 
You could spray it on the man, it would mix with the chemistry of the man, and it would have a different smell than when you sprayed it on the woman because when it mixed with her chemistry, it had a more sweet perfume smell. Right? Because they're different. <laughs> right? God. But what, what Paul's saying is, is that it goes on and says, the prince and power of the world, but according to the prince and power of the world. Now, the thing is, is that I used to struggle with this thought that, that the enemy was controlling the world. See, I got quiet too, didn't you? But have you looked at the world lately? When people don't follow God and follow Satan, somebody says, I'm not, I'm not a Satanist. Do you know Jesus? Are you following him? Because there's only two ways. There's no in-between. You're either in or you're out, right? I mean, matter of fact, the Word of God says if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out. In other words, you can't have it both ways. You can't be in and out. You are either in or out, right? And so there's so many people who are just following the ways of what feels good. I mean, we've gotten to a mindset that we have allowed the culture of society to, to even infiltrate the religious realm and the church. And now where it used to be that you know, living together was a sin. Now it's perpetuated. Say, oh, you, well, you better try that person out for a little while before you get married. What? That ain't biblical. That ain't God's way. I mean, it's, been, it's, it's, it's a society that's been pushed as if it makes these sins glorious. It makes sexual activity before marriage, it makes it glorious and it makes even the results. If there's a baby born, oh, isn't that so precious? And they will even say, it's a gift of God. Well, a child is a gift of God, even if it's born out of wedlock. But it doesn't reduce the fact that it was a sin that brought it about. So the idea is that the, the, even the church is brought in and, and, and it's almost like, well, let's help this couple out because they're just living together and they need help. Well, let me help them. Okay, you need to go to your house and you need to go to your house and y'all need to get right with Jesus. And when y'all get right with Jesus and y'all get all this stuff straightened out, then you can come back together and, and, and then it will be blessed of God. I had a, a, a gentleman in Honduras who... Uh, this young lady who was raised in church, um, he had enamored her, and, and so she, they had lived, started living together. She came to me and she says, Pastor, I feel like I, I want to do children's ministry, but I know I'm not living right because I'm living with this guy. I said, well, and your question is? I mean, she was looking for justification for me to say, it's okay, you can come work in children's ministry. We need you so badly. And sadly, is, is we needed her really bad. But I said, honey, I'm sorry. I can't use you in ministry if you're not living according to the plan of God. Because I'm setting you up in front of people and I'm displaying your sin as if it's okay. 
and it's not okay. And so guess what? She left the guy. We helped her get an apartment. She got an apartment. That guy came knocking at my door. What have you done? You've caused my girlfriend to leave. I love her. I said, well, get right with Jesus, and she might love you back. Two months later, that guy came into church weeping. The Holy Ghost fell. He fell out in the Holy Ghost that night. Has never been the same since. He said he's tried Buddhism. He's tried Hinduism. He's tried all these things. But when he found Jesus, everything changed. And now they're together doing very well, running a business in Honduras with two beautiful children serving in the church and children's ministry because somebody made a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do it God's way. Amen? I know. The reality is, is this. Paul paints a picture of our sin. Look, we don't get it right. We don't have it right. We will never get it right without Jesus. I mean, you can look. There's, there's no way. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. Guess who that and we are? Us. In other words, we also have conducted ourselves in such a way that the backdrop of our canvas is black. It's sinful. There's nothing that we can boast about. There's nothing. We have tried to do our best and we have failed. But then there's verse four. But God. <laughs> but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, called because of his great love with which he loved us. You know, there's, there's three specific things that this mercy produces. And the very first thing is the love of God. Do y'all know the difference between mercy and, and grace? Mercy is, is I didn't get what I deserved. Grace is I got something I didn't deserve. Right? Mercy is, is I deserve to die in my sins because the wages of sin is death. And mercy is, is I didn't get death, but I got life. And grace is the fact that God loved me so much that he found me in my broken state. And he loved me enough that when I, when I said, yes, Lord, he forgave me of all my sins. And he gave me something that I did not deserve, which was eternal life in Christ Jesus. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Somebody come up to the thing. I'm going, I'm going to close and how many give me five minutes? Five. Man, y'all know me too well now. Five, 10, 15, we're good. Okay, we're good. All right. Um, anyway, so, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Look, his love is so great. As I read a few moments ago, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible declares this, no greater love than this. That means there's, no, there's nothing bigger. There's mo- nothing more exhausting than the love of God. No greater love than this, that Jesus Christ was willing to give his life for you and I. 
How gracious is that love? And it goes on. And it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses. In other words, how many would do something good for somebody even though you know they're not going to love you back for it? Sadly is, is that many times our human nature is motivated, motivated to give so that we can get something back. Matter, matter of fact, many times our motivation is, is to befriend so that we can get what they have. That's the natural motivation. But love is when you pick up the alcoholic or the drunk and you bring him in to, to CR on a Monday night knowing that they can't give you one thing, but you love them anyway. You love them in spite of who they are. You love them because you know that there's something deep inside of them because they are a creation of God. And if God loved them enough to create them, then God has a purpose and a plan for their life. And though may they, they may never even thank me, I'm going to love them to the, with the depths of my heart. I ain't, ain't going to piano shit. We're going Made, made us alive together with Christ. I love this in this parentheses, by grace you have been saved. In other words, we'll see that again, but we'll have to see that next week. But to think that, that we are made alive together with Christ. If you look at verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, it is with Christ, in Christ. And if you're looking at the King James Version, it's through Christ. In other words, everything we have is by, through, and from our wonderful Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And together with him, it goes on and says, we've been seated with him in heavenly places. Look, let me tell you something, folks. God has so much in store for you and I. And the thing is, is I don't know what your canvas looks like. Maybe your canvas is plain and you know, but if you recognize, you know, what this, you know what this canvas is about? This canvas is about denial. This canvas says, ain't nothing wrong with me. This canvas says, well, I'm going to do my own thing. This canvas says, you know what? I recognize that I'm a broken vessel. I recognize that I don't get it right. I recognize my need for Jesus every single day. And the jewels that he wants to display in my life, I need every one of them. I need the mercy that he wants to make new. When you look at Psalms 118 over and over again, it says, and his mercy endures forever. When I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, it makes me want to shout, makes me want to dance. Come on, right? I don't know what your canvas looks like. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm just too unworthy to receive his grace. Well, that's where he wants you. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not good enough. He don't know what I've done. Yes, he does. He knows all about it. There's nothing hidden from the Lord. He's very aware of everything in your life. And matter of fact, the darker your canvas, the greater His mercy shines.
Pastor, I need some mercy. Pastor, I need grace. I need help. We're going to pray. There's a few needs that I want to pray about. Tony Gregory's sister-in-law passed away uh, this morning. I want to pray for her, for that family uh, and the loss of such a wonderful lady. There's other needs I want to pray about. I know Ken has a procedure. There's some others who have procedures that are coming up. I want to agree with you on those things. But even more than that, if you'd say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my heart. Look, I'm not declaring that you're unsaved. That's between you and the Lord. But if you'd say today that, man, I'm not. I'm walking more in the fads and the fashion than I am in the plan that he's laid out before me. And I want to dedicate my life completely to him. This morning is a time where we can rededicate our life to say, Lord, I recognize that you've given me hope, you've given me authority, you've given me all the tools that I need, but Lord, I'm not living according to the plan that you've given me. I faltered, I have failed, but today I want to make it right. Today I want to surrender to the Lord. This morning, if that's you, and I know the the good Baptist way would be close your eyes and raise your hand. But I just believe that if you're bold enough to say, Pastor, that's me, I'm not ashamed the gospel of Jesus Christ for I recognize it is the power of God unto salvation and today I boldly say I need Jesus would you raise your hand with me I need Jesus yes 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 we do yes we do yes we do I I don't know that brother Gregory is still here because Tony had to leave to be with his family but if I could have someone to come and stand in for his family I want to pray for them. GT, I want you to come up here. We want to believe for GT. GT is getting better, but we're, we're believing for complete healing. Amen? Come up here, brother. If you say, I, I need healing, come on up. Miss Deborah, we're believing. You're in a process, but we're believing. I didn't get to recognize Titan last week, but I don't see him this week. See here? That was Megan's grandmother that passed away. I got that. Yep, I, I do. That all comes together now, yes. Anyone else to say, Pastor, I need healing. I need a touch from the Lord. Come on, let's, let's believe together. God is able. God is able to do far above what we may ask or think. Amen. Pastor, I want the Lord to write on my canvas. His mercy and His grace. Come on up. Can I have some to join me to stand behind these and agree together? Amen. There's none more greater, none more worthy than the Lord Jesus Christ. And by His grace, by His grace, we're saved. By His grace, we're overcomers. 
by his grace. We are healed by his grace. We're set free. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
or a masterpiece. And though you might feel like you're still being chipped out of the stone, when the Lord is finished with you, he will present you to the Father as righteous and holy. Isn't that awesome? We used to sing the song in children's church many years ago. He's still working on me to make me what ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. I love how patient he must be. He's still working on me. Declare that in your life. He's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. Father, I pray blessings over each one of us. Lord, may we walk in the blessings and favor of you. And Lord, may we be a blessing to others. God, let your face shine on us. Lord, let your peace permeate our path. Let your glory be revealed in your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.